Hello, my name is Samuel Keith Harris. Welcome to the First Love Church podcast. I'm so happy you clicked onto this podcast. I pray that you would be blessed, edified, and encouraged to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Enjoy. Well, happy Sunday morning, everybody. Like I was, I was saying this last night, we don't want more services in terms of we don't just want to come to service or we don't just want to open up the scriptures to just hear words and leave and do act the same way we acted before we came. We want to grow in Christ. We want to see Christ more clearly and glorify him more fully by him empowering us through the, through the power of his word. I love what Paul says. He says, the word of God works effectually in those who believe. So when the word of God is not moving in power in your heart and changing your life and changing your attitudes and changing your actions, it can be offensive to say, oh, so I guess I don't believe. Yes, that's exactly what it is. When there's no belief in the word of God, then your life's not going to change. I can't tell you how many hours a week, you know, it's, it's not like the scripture always feels like dew dripping on my head from heaven. A lot of times, I know that I'm going to get a harvest when I get in the word of God and I plow for hours and hours and hours for my own devotional life because I want to be rich in relationship with the Lord. I, I don't want to be dry. And I know the only thing to, to, to get us to that place is to plow up the hard ground. We all have hard ground in our hearts at times. There's things that come at, at us all the time. And that's why the scripture says, warn each other. While it's still today, lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin and your heart turned away from the living God. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah 57. While we were singing, Holy is the Lord, this scripture was just impressed upon me. In Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15, the Bible says, for thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The Lord loves to revive those who are lowly. It, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And what this is actually speaking of, the Lord dwells in two places. First, he dwells in a high and a holy place. He dwells in unapproachable light, but he also dwells in the lowest place. He dwells in the place with those who are of a lowly spirit to revive them. Did you know something? The Lord never wants us to live in a spiritually dry and dull state. He wants to revive our hearts and keep them alive at all times. He wants, the Bible says that if you believe in the Lord, rivers of living water will flow from your innermost being. And so we have to ask ourselves, are rivers flowing on the inside of me? Does the gospel bring me joy? Does the gospel give me hope? Is the gospel life to me or is it just a part of my life? Is it all my life or is it just a part? Is Christ my life? Is Christ my life? Does the word of God dwell richly within my heart? These are questions I ask myself all the time because there's no greater joy than when the scriptures are actually working in your heart and in your life and bearing fruits worthy of repentance. Now let's go to 1 John chapter 4. 
1 John chapter 4. And we're going to look at a practical way to see the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your life. 1 John chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 1. The scripture says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. This might be an offensive statement to people, but I don't seek wisdom from anybody unless they're of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, and filled with wisdom from the Scripture. Now, practical life things, of course. Anything that has to do with any spirituality, I don't need anything you have to say. I don't need behavior modification lessons. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to change my life. And it says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. That should be the day that you fear and tremble when the world understands what you're saying. Look at this. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us, does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If, if, if these famous news channels and these famous gossip shows want a certain Christian to come on their show, they're not of the Lord. The world does not want to hear people who are truly righteous, who truly live according to the word of God. And notice, Many of these people never say one convicting thing when they get on Good Morning America or whatever, whatever, the Today Show. No conviction. Just slight advertisements for their, for, for their books or whatever. But let's go to verse 7. It says, Beloved, and here's the goal of what I want to get to today. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, verse 7, I, I used to wrestle with, with passages like this because we hear this soft love message preached so much that it kind of kept me away from preaching things like this until the Lord revealed to me what love is. The Bible says that love does no wrong to another person. That's why just loving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your being, and loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills the law. Why? Because you'll never do anything wrong if you actually carry those two out. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves. Now, let's examine that word love. What's the love of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it doesn't seek its own, it doesn't act unbecomingly, it's not puffed up, it's not rude. Okay, now let's examine this verse again. For everyone who loves is born of God. Okay, so everyone who's patient, everyone who's kind, everyone who doesn't envy, everyone who doesn't boast, everyone who doesn't act unbecomingly, everyone who's not rude, everyone who's not puffed up, knows God. Wow. So this is, and, and, and it'll become more clear as we go into this text of Scripture. But what I love about it is, 
that can sound like an unattainable standard. And the Bible's not saying we are going to have every facet down pat the whole time. But what it is saying, what it is saying is that there will be evidence that the Holy Spirit actually lives in us. Look at this. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I fear and tremble when I see people that don't strive to love other believers or love people in the world. Because God's love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. God actually revealed what love is. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is love. That God would look at his enemies and say, I love them. And I'm going to send my most prized possession to them. And I'm going to have my son killed for them that they might be reconciled back to me. And we were talking about that last night. We've got to grasp the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our daily life. That is where your joy is found. It's not found in more success, more money, more it's not found in any of that. It's found in understanding that I was vile. I was wicked. I was separated from God. I was an enemy of God. The Father's over here. I have no access to him. But then the cross of Jesus Christ is right in the middle, and the blood of his cross brought us back together, and now we're one again. And we have a living hope. That's why we, we sang the song that we have a living hope. We've been born again, the Bible says, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that's unfading, undefiled, and it's kept in heaven for us. Every day I wake up, my joy is not that, this is my joy that keeps me through every activity, whether I'm working, whether I'm serving somebody else, is that I get God every second. I can hear the voice of God every moment. I can follow his leading all the time. I can meditate and muse on a scripture and fruitfulness flow forth from my life every moment of every day. So it gives me purpose at all times. Where's the place for hopelessness? If you get hopeless for a few seconds, you remember Psalm 42, I'm going to hope in God. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Now there might be valid reasons to be downcast, but all of a sudden it rises up within you. Why am I downcast? I'll hope in God. Because when I hope in God, I'm flooded with joy, I'm flooded with peace. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to pay for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I'm telling you, our issues with loving each other are because we don't stare at the God who loves us. We don't stare at the God who forgives us, so we have trouble forgiving others. We, we, we don't receive mercy, so we don't feel to give any mercy. But when you see how corrupt and vile you've been and how God has been merciful to you and how he's loved you, he knows more faults than you even know you have. And he still sent his son and he still declared, I love you before you ever said you loved him. While you were an enemy, Christ had already died. 
And he came for you while you were groveling in your sin, while you were groveling in your shame. And he pulls you out by his strong right hand. And when you first get saved, you think, oh, I'm perfect now. And it's like, oh, wait a second. The Lord reveals layers. Oh, there's pride in my heart a little bit. Oh, we need to get out of that. But the Lord still loves you and has mercy for you. So when somebody else commits a sin or acts wrongly, you tend to have mercy toward them because you are actually actively receiving mercy. Beloved. I like how he addresses us that way. Beloved, you're beloved. If God so loves us like this, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. All right. If we love one another, God abides in us. Now, I think about that actively. That, so I'm excited about this portion of scripture. If we love one another, God abides in us. We can actually experience the reality that God lives in us as we choose to love other people. Why? Because that requires God to be in you to actually love people the way he's called you to love them. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us. This is important, right? That's basically saying this is how you know God lives in you. And if God doesn't live in you, hell will be your home and you have no living relationship with God. So I need to know how, how to know if God lives in me. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Hold on a second. How many of you can see the Holy Spirit living in you? Now think about this. You can't see the Holy Spirit living in you with your eyes but you can see the Holy Spirit living in you through his fruits. Let me remind you of something. They're not the fruits of you that God just gives to you. They're the fruits of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. So it's evidence, oh, God is living in me. He's living in my heart and he's actually living through me. What does Galatians chapter two said? It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. He lives in me, and that's why he comes out of me. By this, we know that we abide in him. We live in him. We remain in him. We have our moving and our being in him and he in us because he has given us of his precious Holy Spirit. And we have seen, as a result, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. How? By the Spirit who lives in us. There's no way if it weren't for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that I could live this way. I can testify God's alive. Jesus died for my sins and he was resurrected. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. That's another aspect to this. Have you come to know, one, the love God has for you? And have you come to actually believe that he loves you? Many people don't never catch a grasp of the reality that God loves them, and it's because they don't know the Holy Spirit. And this could be for various reasons. It could be because they're holding back from God. But if you say, God, I want to know your love, and I want to know you, and I want to be changed by you, 
and you really mean it and you have nothing reserved in your heart for you, your little sin on the weekend, your little fun with your friends. No, if, if you really want to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge that you can experience, he'll reveal it to you. He'll fill you with his spirit. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, people. God is love. So if God is love and we want to love like God, and we want to look like God, then we need to know God really. You got to examine your heart. Have I been struggling to love people this past week or this past month or this? How am I doing? I gauge my spiritual life by how I'm loving people. I gauge on if I'm filled with the spirit by how I'm loving people. Was I patient? Was I kind? Did I envy there? Was I trying to boast? Was I trying to seek my own versus lay down my life? That's how I gauge how I'm doing in God. 1 Corinthians 13 is your test. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. So if you want to live in God this week, make sure you live in love this week. Live in patience this week. Live in kindness this week. Don't seek your own this week. Lay down your life this week. Does that make sense? I'm not, I'm not trying to build up my empire. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set myself to serve with joy. That's where life is. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but the scripture says that to live, you must die. But many people, it, they get stumped by that. They think, no, I got to... I know all the ways of the things that'll make me happy. When the Lord says, if you die, you'll be happy. If you die to yourself, your way, your identity, you'll be happy. And if you live for me. Many people are going to fail at it this week because they're not going to live in love. And then they're not going to live in God, which means God's not going to live in them. And then they're going to be miserable because they won't have the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Inner turmoil, stress, depression, despair, hopelessness, that's their portion. Because we've got to choose to live in love that God might live in us. And we have known. I love that. It's, It's firsthand knowledge. We've come to know this, really. We're utterly convinced We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Do you want boldness on the day of judgment? That's a reality. You can be bold on the day of judgment. Not many people are walking up boldly before the throne of God. Most people are cowering, fleeing, running, but there's no place to go. But for us, because we live in love, the Bible says in James that mercy triumphs over judgment. If you want to have a good judgment day, learn to be merciful. Oh, when I say overlook faults, that doesn't mean let sin slide. What that means is if people have faults, if they commit sins, if they're not merciful, if they're not loving, that's okay because my love is going to cover a multitude of other people's sins. I'm, I'll point it out, we'll preach against it, but I'm going to be the merciful one because on the day of judgment, I'm accounting for me. And also, 
When you're merciful, you're filled with joy, you're filled with love, and you're filled with life. You're not trying to point at other people's faults. Matthew chapter 7, the scripture says, it says, remove the log in your own eye before you take specks from other people's eyes. Many people love to say, oh, I can help you here. I can correct you here. Oh, you should do this better. You should do this better. How about this? How about this? We make sure we're cleansed. And then a person that's truly cleansed with a log removed out of their own eye will try to remove specks with mercy, with gentleness, with meekness, with fear, with trembling. They won't enjoy it. They won't enjoy correcting other people. I don't enjoy correcting other people. I don't know if Jesus enjoyed calling Peter Satan. <laughs> I doubt it. He but he knew where Peter was going. He knew Peter was going to get filled with the Holy Ghost, preach, 3,000 people are going to get saved on the day of Pentecost. That he would be a mighty man of the Lord and eventually die a martyr for the Lord. He saw people for where they were going, not for where they were, and it empowered them to have mercy for them. So when you actually see with prophetic insight what the Lord's doing in people's hearts, you'll have mercy because you know that it's a process for people to get from where they are to where they're going. They might not be as holy as they should be now, but they will be sanctified and grow up into the Lord if we keep nourishing that. Now, if, if people go out from among us, they're not being sanctified. They left the faith. They left the church. They left, they left growing in the Lord. But we're talking about people that have a desire to grow in Jesus, people that, that want to know the Lord and look like the Lord. Now, look at this. We can have boldness on the day of judgment because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been perfected in love. Verse 19, we love Jesus because Jesus first loved us. So you're not striving to, oh, I got to love Jesus more. I got to love Jesus more. Hold on, Skippy. God's perfect love loves you right now completely. He absolutely loves you. He desires you. The reason people are judged is because, though harshly, is because they see, though God loves me, I don't want anything to do with your love, Lord. I want my sin. But when you say, I don't want sin, I want this love of the Lord. Teach me, show me how much you love me, Lord. I see it through the cross, but I want to experience it through the word of God. That's where good relationship happens in Jesus. We love Jesus because he first loved us. If you think, that your love for Jesus is going to get him to love you more than you're going to get in self-righteousness and pride. But if you'll receive his love when you didn't deserve it, then his love will actually nourish a righteous love within you that enables you to love him rightly and then to love others rightly. And you'll want them to experience the love because if you experience God's love that you didn't earn or you didn't deserve, you'll go proclaim, hey, you don't deserve it either, but God wants to love you and change and transform your life and bear the fruits of righteousness in your heart. We love him because he first loved us. Now we get to a couple convicting verses to end this. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, he who is not patient with his brother, he who is not kind to his brother, he who seeks his own with his brother, he who envies his brother, 
He who's rude to his brother is a liar if he says he loves God. We all need this. This is medicine. This is balm for the soul. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, from God, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, these scriptures aren't abstract. They are so practical, it's amazing. What I love about this is, okay, Lord, actually, as I love people, how many of you have ever done an act of kindness motivated by a love for the Lord and a love for people, and you felt like you experienced the Lord as you were doing it? It's because as we reach out in the love of the Lord, I truly believe we are experiencing the love of the Lord in that moment. And it gives us joy. But also, when we start to talk a little too much about our brother or our sister, we're like, eh, I shouldn't be doing this. Lord, forgive me. That didn't feel good, did it? Because grace isn't on that, but grace is on us actually living this out for real. And so when you actually are patient with people that you'd normally be impatient with, when you're kind to people you'd normally be unkind to, when you're, when you're not rude to them and you... And, In the past, you would have been when you envy people, but now you rejoice in their success. All these things are are showing that the Holy Spirit has taken dominion over your life because you've allowed him to. You're ruling over sin now versus sin ruling over you. Because the Bible says this, for sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but you're under grace. What's the law? Be kind, but in your heart you have hate. What's grace? Be kind. Oh, I can actually be kind because the grace of God is in my heart, and now kindness flows from that stream. So this is all, it's more than just obeying the letter. It's walking in the Spirit. If I have hatred in my heart, I can't boast and lie against the truth. I need grace to eradicate hatred from my heart so that I'm, because anybody can do an act of love out of a, hatred, out of a heart that has hatred in it which is not true love, right? I can go do something nice, put on a face, whatever. But is it in my heart? Is it deep-rooted in my heart? Because the scripture, a hypocrite is actually a play actor that puts on a mask to do a good deed, but really they don't care. They don't have compassion. There's no life of the spirit in their heart. We don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. And by God's grace, we aren't like that. But I just want to point these things out because we need reminded of them. If I say I love God, and I'm unkind, impatient, irritable, I can't tolerate people, I need to repent. And and as I love my brother, I prove I love God. And you prove you fear God. And you prove you know God. And you prove that you live in in the revelation of God sees me at all times. But I I actually want to enjoy that. I want to enjoy that I'm open, naked before the Lord to whom I must give account. I want to enjoy the fact that God sees that I love him and I love people and I have nothing to hide. I want to enjoy all these realities that God has given me. So let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you that we get to love you, but that you loved us first. That while we were unlovely, 
you called us by your grace and your mercy and you saved us and you washed us and you cleansed us and you've made us holy by your precious blood and you've empowered us by your spirit to walk in righteousness to bring glory to your name. Teach us to love one another just like you taught the church in Thessalonica, Lord. The scripture says, Paul said, I don't even need to write to you on how to love each other for the, for the Lord has taught you himself to love one another. So Lord, teach us to love one another rightly, to bring you glory, to bring you honor, and to bring you praise. May we be patient with others. May we be kind to others. May we, may we seek others' benefits and not our own, Lord. And we'll find in that place that joy's overflowing, life's overflowing, hope's overflowing, and peace is overflowing. We love you, and we honor you, King Jesus. Get glory out of our lives going into this week. It's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, Sam loves you. More importantly, Jesus loves you. And First Love Church loves you. Have a blessed Sunday.